My name is Ricky Long. I am the uh, director of First Impressions here at Resurrection Life Church. I have the opportunity to connect with uh, our new visitors. I lead a team, a guest service team. We're here to make sure that your guys' experience is well. We're here to make sure that you guys are having a good time. Um, I'm, I'm here to, to maybe have some fun, right? That's hopefully allowed tonight. Anyways, so any, yeah, I, I'm Ricky Long. I'm the First Impressions director here. I've been here for, man, I've been coming here since 2012. I've been on staff since 2018. I am married to an amazing woman who is currently uh, with child with my number three, right? I look like I should only have one kid. Thank you. I feel young. Amen. Um, but she is amazing. Babe, you're a rock star. I only am able to do this and be here uh, because of a woman who so graciously is at home, honestly, doing a, a more important job, and that's raising our young men. And so um, here I am. I have the opportunity to bring the word to you tonight, uh, and I have the blessing to close a series that we've been working on, the fruit of the Spirit, right? And then tonight's fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Um, it's, it's funny that I'm the one that gets self-control. I think that was one of the last ones. Uh, there weren't many options left, and I got the opportunity to speak on self-control. Um, whether that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, Pastor Bernie will know, and he'll figure that out later. Um, but tonight, I really wanted to start off by, by um, just kind of going into Scripture, going into the story of Saul uh, in 1 Samuel. You have, you have Saul uh, a part of this story. And so we're going to go into that in a little bit here, but let's open up with prayer, all right? Um, Lord, I thank you. I thank you so much, Lord, for today, for these people, Lord, that you've brought before me. And I thank you, God, that we, uh, as a community, Lord, as your believers, get to hear what you want to say. And I pray that in the, G in the name of Jesus, Lord, I decrease myself. Remove me from, from myself. God, let it be all about you. I decrease so that you may increase, Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name, everything that I say, God, I pray that it's run through the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, for being within me. I thank you, Jesus, that I can deliver a word in truth. And that truth only comes from you. So, Lord, I say have your way. As we dive into this tonight, God, we can do it as a community. As we dive in this tonight, Lord, I thank you, God, for the opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, again, I'm going to read to you in 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 3. They don't... They didn't have the, uh, the, the, the scriptures there. It was my bad. I apologize. But my message tonight is called, Who's in Control? Right? It's only fitting that, you know, I'm speaking on self-control, so control has to be somewhat in there. Um, but who's in control? So if you look into the, the story of, of Saul in this moment here in Samuel, uh, there's a moment where the Lord tells Samuel, Hey, there's something that I would love for you to do. And what that is, is actually something that I promised I was going to do uh, generations ago. When the, uh, the Israelites were fleeing Egypt, uh, they, they crossed the Red Sea. And when they crossed the Red Sea, um, there was a nation called the, uh, Am I always say this, I always say this wrong. It's Amalekites. It's Amalek, Amalekites, okay? There's the nation of Amalekites who actually came and as Israelites were fleeing Egypt, Obviously, I feel like, pers I mean, they're, they're, they're leaving from slavery, right? They're moving away. God says, hey, there's a promised land that I want you to get to, and I want you to get there. And in taking advantage of the lack that the Israelites had, the Amalekites came and tried to take advantage. But we read later in the Bible that, or early in the Bible in that, in that story there, 
that God had his hand over them, right? As Moses, as long as he had the staff raised, they defeated the Amalekites. And as soon as it was lowered, uh, the opposite was happening. But thankfully, right, they defeated them. But the Lord said, I promise that one day, because you attack my people, I'm, I'm going to come back. And, 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 and I, there's a promise there that he'll blot out the people, right? Don't mess with God's people. I, I picture God being a mama bear sometimes. You know, like, don't, don't come up to a mama's cub. I'm telling you this right now. You get messed up, all right? My wife, she's, she, you know, she might be gentle, but I'm telling you this right now. The moment someone touches her babies, hey, you're going down, right? And so, you know, I think, I think, I think that, I mean, that's how God is, right? This is his people. I've called them. They are my nation. If someone comes after them, I'm going to fend for them. I'm going to defend them. Uh, well, anyways, going into Samuel here, it says in 1 through 3, it says, One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told, you, uh, who told me to anoint you as the king of, uh, of Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I've decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Erzo when they came from Egypt. Now go and, I mean, this is, this is the truth here. Go and destroy the, their people. Um, destroy that nation. Then later it says, Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Hivalah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the, the best of the sheep, right? He kept the best of everything as they plundered this nation. You know, they, they kept the, the best of everything that they found. And everything that wasn't good, they actually destroyed. They left behind or whatever, you know, they, it says that they destroyed. Um, and in that moment that, that, that Saul made a decision to say, hey, it's okay. What it said was that Saul's army was, were the ones that kept these things, but Saul never said anything about it. Okay, whatever. They destroyed what was only worthless and poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Earlier the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him that Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Whose self? Saul's self. Then the Lord blessed, uh, then he went to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully, and he said, May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then and in that moment, you know, as he's saying this to Samuel, Samuel's like, I, matter, I imagine a modern day conversation here, okay? You know, like, Saul walks up and, and says, hey, bless you, bro. It's good to see you, man. And Samuel's like, <laughs> I, I imagine Samuel's, I mean, obviously it said that he cried all night. So obviously he was hurt by this whole situation. Samuel walks up to Saul and goes, what are you talking about? Hold up. You said that you, you just did, wait, you did the Lord's command? Yeah, 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 I told you. Yeah, yeah, look, 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 dude. And Saul, or Samuel's like, What's up with the buying, dude? What's up with the, the cows grumbling? What's up with the, what, what's all that? What's all that gold? What's all this here? If you told me that you did what the Lord told you to do, what's, what's all this? Saul admitted, yeah, it's true. The army spared the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, Saul admitted. But they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said, Saul, stop. Dude, listen what the Lord told me last night. 
<laughs> and Saul says, what did he tell you? I'm like, what do you say? What do you say? Right? And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribe of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best, uh, brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, in Gilgal. And the, the last few of the scripture says, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices of your obedience. To, uh, is that more important than his voice? The, the obedience, is that, more, is that not more important? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Rebellion is as evil and as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. 1 Samuel 15, 7, to, uh, 7 through 23. I know that was a lot to unpack there. But we're, we're going to get on this here. The, the self-control. How does self-control have anything to do with this story, Ricky? Help me make sense here. The biblical meaning of self-control comes from the Greek word, and I looked this up, okay? I made sure that I pronounced it right. Ask, you could ask, there, there's been a couple people that walked into my office today, and I'd say, enkrataya. Enkrataya is what it says. I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's what I believe it is. Enkrataya, the eng in this word, which means in the sphere of. Krataya comes from the kratos. Uh, the, the root word kratos means dominion, mastery. It's properly stated as dominion within. The two words form enkrataya, which at the end of the day means true mastery from within. It's explicitly called a fruit of the Holy Spirit for the believer. As believers, as Christians, enkrataya can only be accomplished, can only be achieved by the power of the Lord. We cannot achieve self-control, biblical self-control. This is what it's saying without him. It means that although self-control is projected from me, it doesn't mean that I'm the one to produce it, but through the encounter with the Holy Spirit, I am given revelation and am able to operate from the place, from that place with everything else. There's a statement that I have here that says self-control apart from God can lead to pride, legalism, and rebellion. Self-control with God leads to humility, trust, and opportunity. Along with that, obedience as well. You know, so self-control apart from God can lead to pride, legalism, and rebellion. You know, I was talking to a pastor here today, um, and they were talking to me about that, what that means, what that, what that actually means. And, and, and I'm going to break it down for you guys, because at the end of the day, self-control, when we think about it, isn't self-control a good thing? Right? When you think of self-control, I mean, I think that's a good thing. Right? So what do you mean by self-control from God, apart from God, can lead to pride? How can it lead to that, Rick? You know, I was brought to, and he mentioned to me, the Pharisees. 
and how the Pharisees operated within the law, right? They, 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 like they were trying to uphold. That's what they, they knew the law. They knew everything about it. They knew this is, they, they knew right from wrong. This, this is what is. And when you have self-control, right? Because they, I imagine that they operate out of a place of self-control to maintain the status, to maintain a position of the law, right? I mean, of just the high stature of what a Pharisee was at that time, Okay. And in that, what that produced, and they couldn't even see it, was that, have, has anybody here seen the show The Chosen? There's, there's a show called The Chosen, and in it, um, there's, it, it's really cool to see the picture of what we get to read in our everyday lives, right? They do a very good job of interpreting it. Some people might not like it. It's okay. Not everybody has their own opinion. But in that, one of the things that I really genuinely appreciate that they do is paint such a good picture of Jesus, right? But they also do a good picture of, this, of showing the modern-day Pharisee in that time. And a lot of the times I, I remember seeing them and, 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 and they just operate out of a place of, hey, this can't be. This is, this is what the, the word says, so there's no way he's supposed to come in, in king form. He's supposed, there's no way that it's just some carpenter. There's no way that it's just some other man like this. No, there can't be. And they got so lost in the legalism. They got so lost in the pride that the Lord couldn't do anything for them. They were so dead set in, no, this is, I, I know what the Lord says, and there's no way that this man here who's doing miracles, who's doing all these things in front of me, there's no way. They were so blinded by what they thought they knew that they disregarded the power of Jesus Christ. Self-control with God leads to humility, trust, obedience, and opportunity. As we look back to 1 Samuel, there's a moment when God tests Saul with a command to bring justice to the Israelite people. It says, now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. That's pretty straightforward if you ask me. Right? Did anybody miss anything? Did anybody add anything? I mean, did anybody? No, it says go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Saul then responds by doing what was commanded of him. Saul slaughtered, right? He did what he's supposed to do. Okay, he fought for his people. This is what the Lord said. The Lord said, hey, go and do this. But on top of that, he added a couple other things. The commandment was clear, wipe everything out. He did everything that the Lord told him to do, except for the parts that he didn't agree with. Hmm. You ever tell your kids to do something that you have in your mind, it must be clear, there's no way they could misinterpret this. No way at all, right? My wife's smiling. Um, I have two amazing boys, Jedediah, who is my oldest, and Zane, who is my youngest. And, and uh, another one coming on the way, his name will be Reuben. Behold, the Lord, the Lord, I wanted a girl. The Lord gave me another son. Reuben names, behold, I've given you a son. I don't know any more names that are perfect for this situation. Anyways, that's not the point. The point is Jedediah and Zane. Have you ever tried playing a game called Telephone with a kid who's two? It doesn't go far. You ever try playing one with a one-year-old? It doesn't go far. Because they'd rather, one, not do that. Two, they just don't care, right? They'll either, you know, 
I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because I think to myself, my boys who are high-strung boys, they're definitely boys. Uh, there's, this, there's a moment where um, the other day when my wife was, I, I get home from, from work and uh, my wife's making dinner and I'm in the room with the boys and we're playing and I'm sitting there and I'm watching them play. And in a moment, Zane gets up onto the ottoman and is like, Titanic. Like, and I'm like, Zane, dude, you're, it's going to hurt. Like, don't. And he's one again, and he's like, I don't care, Dad. Like, this is me in my infinite glory, right? And then Jed behind him has a twinkle in his eye, right? Older brother, right? He's like, in his mind, I could already see the hamster wheel turning. I'm going to push this dude so hard. I'm going I'm to push this dude so hard. And I look at Jed, and I'm like, Jed, Jed, Jedediah Van. The consequence, I described to him before a few moments earlier. I said, Jed, if you push him, you're going to be in timeout and you're going to get a pow-pow. That's what I told Jed. <laughs> and Jed was so high-strung in completing his mission that he disregarded what Dad told him. He didn't care why. He didn't bother to ask. Right? I don't expect a two-year-old to go, well, Dad, why would you tell me not to do this to my brother? It looks really tempting, but hey, I think I should do it anyway. You know, that's, that's not how a two-year-old operates. He, he in his infinite glory and all-knowing said Mufasa and pushed him off, right? I mean, he mufasa his brother so hard. I remember seeing Zane land, and thankfully Zane got up. Zane's very resilient. He's got an older brother who, my kids run into walls, right? So they're good. But I, I mentioned that part of it because I said, Jet, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. That's, this is why Daddy's telling you, you could hurt your brother, one, and two, don't do it because daddy said so. You're going to get a timeout. You're going to get a consequence. He did it anyways. I know he heard what I said, but he processed it in a way where he said, I don't care. And I don't expect my two-year-old to have self-control. But as they grow up in, in, in teaching my, my sons how to be men, in teaching my sons and having the opportunity to teach them who, 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 how to be godly men, I expect that they learn self-control more and more, right? And by the time that I imagine that they're somewhat Saul's age, they'll understand that, hey, this is what daddy said. This is what dad said. Hopefully they don't call me daddy forever. It's kind of weird. Hopefully they say, hey, this is what dad said. This is what I, like, this is what he expects and this is what I'm going to do, right? The downfall of Saul was that he was so prideful. He did what he thought would have been better instead of admitting his wrong. Instead of saying, Lord, you know best. His posture and position says, I know best. I know better how to honor you, Lord. Don't worry, I got this. Does that ring of anyone? Lord, I know how to do this. And then later he puts up a statue of himself. Lord, don't worry, I know how to do this. I'm honoring you. Trying to get the praise. And it sounds a lot like the devil, if you ask me. The downfall of Saul was his pride. Instead of admitting he was wrong, he said even further, I've carried out the Lord's command. And, and, then, and then Samuel says, hey, what's all this buying, right? What's all this neighing? What's all this bleeding? What's all of this, the cow grumbling, right? That's, that's I, I try to picture yourself in that situation. Saul's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I don't, I don't hear it. 
Oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did that for the Lord. The, actually, I did that for your Lord. He has the audacity to look at Samuel and say, I did this for your Lord, your God. Wasn't that our God? In the beginning, did it not say, did it not say, one day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as the king and people of Israel, the king of his people, Israel. Did not, was it not the Lord's plan to put you there? But no, you did it, Saul. You did it. You did it. You got yourself here. Again, self-control apart from God leads to pride, legalism. Yeah, but I did it. What are you talking about? I followed your commands. And it leads to rebellion. Self-control with God leads to humility, trust. You know, it says in here, your burnt offerings and sacrifices of your obedience to his, is that, is that more important than the obedience of the Lord? The second part, self-control with God leads to humility, trust, and opportunity. This part of it brings me to a man named Joseph in the Bible. You know, I try to speed things up. I see that it's getting time here. Um, when Joseph was taken to Egypt, all right, Joseph basically uh, was one of the brothers who, who he was sold into to slavery by his own blood. Um, and at this point, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. A real quick side note here. The reason why his brother sold him to slavery is because Joseph got, he would actually be able to depict uh, dreams that he would get, he would be able to interpret, right? And one of the dreams, uh, maybe it was big mouth. Unfortunately, he said to his brothers and his brothers couldn't handle it. Basically what happened is they said, no, there's no way that we're going to be bound to you. So they sold him. So as it goes on, the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph remembers, just, just remember, Joseph remembers this vision that he's gotten from the Lord. That's what he's, that's what he's set on. That's what he, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, one day this is going to happen. That's his faith. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this. Potiphar could tell that this Israelite slave was favored by the Lord. giving him success in everything he did. The, that, this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. From that day, from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops grew and flourished. His livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Shoo. Man, that's the life right there. I'm sorry, babe. In all, in all honesty, I, I jokingly say that because I'm like, man, I know my household is blessed. Amen. But man, Potiphar didn't have to worry. Joseph, and, and then it goes on to say, Joseph was a very handsome, well-built young man. The dude was ripped. He was diesel. He's got biceps. And Potiphar's wife began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in the entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. 
How could I do such a wicked thing? It would, be, it would be such a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on, and eventually the, the story finishes to say, or this part of the story says, um, as he flees from her, I'll just read it here. It says, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Real quick here, the next time you get tempted by something, run. Don't just sit there and, ah, no, that, that, uh-uh. Eh, don't, don't be passive about it. Be aggressive about it. Run. Because in that same way, oftentimes, it'll chase you. It'll chase after you. When he saw what she was holding, his, uh, she, uh, Potiphar here, when she saw what, oh, when she saw what she was holding, his cloak, and he had fled, she called out to her servants, soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought his, this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room raped me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home, and then she told him the story. The slave that you brought into the house came in and fooled around with me, she said, but when I screamed, he ran, leaving his cloak with me. And as, as it goes on, I'm not going to finish that, but as it goes on, uh, Joseph is thrown into prison, even though, even though Potiphar could decipher that it wasn't Joseph's fault. What kind of man would he be, right? Status, what kind of man would he be if he threw his wife into prison instead of this man that he had no ties with? I say all that to say that you can see as Joseph choosing and honoring the Lord, self-control with God leads to humility, trust, and opportunity. Later down the road, we find out that Joseph goes to prison. He has an opportunity to decipher the, the, the Pharaoh's dream. He does it. And as he does it, the Pharaoh says, hey, I'm going to give you all this. Basically what happened in Potiphar's house happens in all of Egypt. And Joseph has all this power. To, quick, to, to quickly come to, to, to a close here, self, self-control apart from God can lead to pride and legalism and rebellion. It can take away opportunity from us. It says with Saul that the Lord ended up rejecting him. That umbrella that he was under, the favor, the blessing that he was under was no longer there for him. However, when Joseph remained faithful to the Lord, when Joseph remained to follow the commands, and he said, yes, Lord, I choose you. There's this promise that you've given me. I choose you. From prison to palace, Joseph came. And and really what I'm just trying to get at with self-control is that at the end of the day, I believe that self-control is a posture of obedience to the Lord. I believe that wholeheartedly. Real quick here, just to, I'm, I'm going to end it there. Um, but there's a, there's a real quick test. Just as, I'm going to share my testimony a little bit here. Um, I share this in permission from my wife. This is part of our story, part of our testimony. But uh, my father-in-law, when when I asked him to, to date my, my wife, I remember him sitting down and said, Ricky, there's two things I need you to do. Don't be a bum, get a full-time job. Don't be a spiritual bum, get to know Jesus better. That's an amazing man right there, I'm telling you that. Um, I said, yes, sir, I can do that. And, and throughout the months of courting my wife and dating her, I, you know, I, I remember um, in a car ride with him as he was helping me fix my car, he said, Ricky, I need you to keep my daughter pure. That's my princess, that's my girl. Keep her pure. Yes, sir, I can do that. Later down the road, as we, as we are getting, we're engaged and we're, we're going to get married and all that stuff, we find ourselves slipping into temptation. 
And, and truthfully, if I could be honest with you, me and her ended up stumbling. And we ended up having sex before marriage. And that was a part of my testimony. And it was something that I walked in, honestly, in shame. And, and, and in this moment, we, after this, I never told my father-in-law. I want you to know that in, in this moment or during this time. Um, and I was on this event where the Lord really said, Ricky, if you promise me that you are all in, then there's something that I need you to do. At this point in time, her and I were already married, right? And the Lord said, hey, you remember that one thing that happened? How about you go tell your father-in-law? I was like, no, nah, that's not him. No way. That ain't the Lord. Uh-uh. My father-in-law is a pastor here. My father-in-law sat me down and said, hey, I need you to be a man, right? And here I am thinking, Lord, how am I supposed to tell this man that I, I did this? He said, Ricky, I need you to do this because as long, for as long as you hold on to this, I can never ever use you in the way that I need to. As long as you hold on to this, you'll never be able to walk in the calling that I have for you. You'll never have opportunity and you'll never have anything else because if you remain disobedient to me, you can never go forward in the kingdom. I said, okay, Lord. When I got back, I remember, uh, I remember yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I never had the opportunity to do it. And at this point, I'm living under his household, Okay. I can't stress this enough. I'm supposed to tell this man that I did this. I am now living with him under his household. Lord, you, you better make a way, Lord. And uh, I, remember, I remember being in, 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 in their, their basement in my wife's old room, and I'm laying there um, looking at my wife, and she's asleep. And I remember having the conversation with her. I was like, hey, if we're doing this, we're, I'm going to tell him to go. We're, we're going to do this together, right? Because if she's sitting next to me, he is at least, he's going to at least extend some grace, right? There's no way that I'm going to do this without her. And uh, I remember thinking that, all right? I remember thinking that, okay? And finally, I, go, I built up the courage to go and do so. And I get upstairs and I found out that they're on a two-week vacation, I'm like, Lord, you, you telling me that I'm ready to tell them and, and you going to just let them go like that? Pop the tires or something, Lord. But then those two weeks went by and, and I'm here and I, like I'm waking up in the morning and I, I hear them upstairs. I'm like, nah, I thought I was ready, Lord. Hold up. And I remember looking at my wife, though, and I just remember the Lord telling me, I got you. Ricky, I told you that I'd be for you then and I'm going to be there for you now. And so I went, bless you, I went upstairs and I remember seeing him in the kitchen and I already knew that what I was going to do, right? And then I heard my mother-in-law in the front room. I was like, Lord, I'm going to tell him, he's going to tell her. There's no way I'm doing both of that. Uh-uh. And, 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 I, and I felt God was like, Rick, do this right. So I remember bringing my mother-in-law into the kitchen. I sat down and I looked at this man and this woman before me who's blessed me, who's called me son, who's called me things that I long to hear. I just... A little bit of feedback. I grew up with a single mother. My dad left when I was about six years old. So I've always longed for that male role model, that, that, that male approval. And now here I am supposed to say this to this man who I think I've gotten the approval of. But what if this gets ripped from me, Lord? But the Lord says, Ricky, I got you. So I sat, so I sat there and I'm building up the courage to, to, to say this to my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. And, and here I am, I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to say it. And as I get ready to tell them, I, 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 I build up the courage. And I just say, Lord, 
I trust in you. I'm obedient to what you have because what you have for me is far better than this secret from my father-in-law. Because one, Lord, the Lord reminded me that as far as I keep this from him, me and him will never have a relationship where he and I would want. And the other is, again, I can't share this in front of people that I am free from that, free from that shame, right? So I told him, and he looked at me, and I remember expecting, how dare you do that to my daughter? How dare you do that to me? You made me a promise. How dare you? But he looked at me, and I kid you, I kid you not, this was genuinely the first time I felt the love of a heavenly father represented to someone who was earthly father to me. He looked at me, and he said, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for walking in the confidence of the Lord. I'm so proud of you for walking in the calling that God has you. And I'm so proud of you to walk in such a calling. I'm so proud of you for being able to do this because I know he's going to use it to benefit others. That only comes from obedience. When the Lord tells you that he has your back, I can promise you this now, the Lord has your back. There are seasons where you're not, you're not sure how to navigate, but Lord, Lord willing, Lord Almighty, he's good. He's there to partner with you. He's there to have your back. I'm here to witness to you, to say to you that that's something that I've got to deal with. I've gotten to go through, but it was only the obedience of the Lord. It was only through the, 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 the control, the really self-control. Again, true mastery from within, it only is attained by the Lord. When you choose the Lord over choosing yourself, you're no longer in control of the situation. The Lord is in control. And I can tell you this, this right now, that if I was in control of that situation, it would have been far much worse. The Lord had my back. He told me, Ricky, I'm for you, not against you. And I can guarantee right now there are some of you in here who are going through something that I'm here to tell you, when you choose control, choose him to be in control. Don't choose yourself. Do not choose yourself. Remain obedient to him. I can't stress that enough. The last verse that I have for you is in Micah 6.8. It says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy. Uh, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To walk with him, to follow him, to walk in the obedience of him. That's all I'm asking tonight. Today as you guys are walking and serving with the Lord, walk and follow his commands. Lord, I thank you, God, for the opportunity to bring this to them, Lord. And I pray, God, that as they walk and they leave this place, Lord, that you unpack them, unpack it to them. I thank you for this moment that we get to spend together. I thank you for this moment, Lord, that you got to be here with because we're two more gathered in your name, Lord. You are in our midst. We believe that. We believe that so much, Lord. We thank you, God. I want to present an opportunity for someone in here. I pray that this message impacted you today, all of you. If you're here for the first time, welcome. But again, I want to present an opportunity for someone who doesn't know this Lord, this Lord that I'm talking about, this Lord that Joseph knew about. If you don't know that Lord, I want to give you an opportunity. If that's you, Lord, I pray that you penetrate their heart right now. If there's a person here, or there's a person online, Lord, I thank you that you can meet them where they're at. I thank you that in the midst of family, in a body of believers who are brothers and sisters here to support one another, I thank you, God, that we can support them in making this decision.
that as they choose Jesus, they're laying down their old life. That as they choose Jesus, Lord, they're saying that you are better and bigger than anything that they've ever come in contact with. They're saying that Jesus, you died and you rose again for our sins, for us, Lord. So in this moment, if you've, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity. I want you to raise your hand. If you're online and you're receiving Jesus, say me, that's me. Amen. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you that you're bigger than anything that we could ever imagine. I thank you, Jesus, that it's all about you. God, I thank you for your grace, for your mercy. I thank you that even though sometimes we may not get it right, God, you are so much bigger. And you receive us just as we are. You love us so much to meet us where we are, but you, don't, but, but you love us too much to leave us where we are. So my heart and my prayer that as people leave this place, God, and can unpack this and can connect and talk about this message, Jesus, Lord, I pray that they leave with an encounter of you, God. If anybody's walking in shame, God, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I thank you that you can tell them how much you love them, that you can show them how much you love them. You are so much bigger, God, than their circumstance. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity today to be alive, to be here with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Your people say, amen.